spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in, you know, whatever, the whole planet, I guess. This is your stressed out, tired, bearded, long-haired, stressed out. Did I say stressed out? <laughs> Big mouth pharmacist. What's up, everybody? Woo, woo, woo. Dana had a great idea for this week's podcast to replay the adrenal fatigue webinar because we talk about chronic stress. And I believe at this point, we're all in that chronic stress phase. So I've got nothing else to say besides here's the webinar, the replay. I think that you'll get lots of great information out of it. And uh, you can always check out woodstockvitamins.com and you can watch the webinar and see all the beautiful little slides. Check out our blogs, woodstockvitamins.com about COVID-19. And I hope that this week brings you a little bit of peace. I know a lot of people are opening up in their regions and they're supposed to be going back to work and doing all of this crazy stuff. It will be okay. If you wear your mask, you wash your hands, you keep away from other people, everything will be okay. So here's the Adrenal Fatigue webinar. Hopefully it helps you deal with stress a little bit better. And I will see you guys next week. All right, everybody, thank you and welcome to our webinar on stress, uh, adrenal fatigue, and so much more. Um, I'm Neil uh, from Woodstock Vitamins, and let's get the party started. Just to remind you, you guys have the ability to ask me questions at any single time, any single moment in time that you want. I will hear a little ding in my ear, and then I will respond to you at the next juncture, the, the next break in thought. Adrenal fatigue, stress in, stressed out. In other words, let's talk about stress, baby. I hope you guys get that reference. Um, just to start, we have our normal housekeeping items. You can rewatch this at any time. And in fact, that's one of the nicest parts of the webinars that if you can't attend any of our webinars, sign up and then watch it at your leisure and skip through the boring parts. But I promise you that there are no boring parts in my webinars. Um, I may have other stuff that uh, I'll reference and that'll be available on our website uh, within the next 24 hours. If you have questions, ask them in the chat box. I'll hear the ding we can uh, respond to you right while we're talking because it's probably relevant to the conversation. There is a follow-up email that's gonna come with a special offer for anybody that attends here, but it also has a link to a survey that I need you to complete for feedback because I love positive criticism and I'm really, really bad at constructive criticism. So uh, just make it all good. So I have lots to cover because that's just how I roll. I don't ever like uh, do short presentations are always excessively long. Um, so we're going to blow through this. So who the heck is Neil? I'm a registered pharmacist practicing for 15 years. I own a pharmacy and supplement store in Woodstock, New York. I'm what I call a holistic pharmacist. So I've seen the power of lifestyle interventions, natural products, and traditional medicines. But I know both healthcare industries are sick. Traditional medicine, and the natural products industry. So I've developed Woodstock Vitamins because we need a new path for managing and preventing disease. So we've weaponized my approach, my almost obsessive rigor to deliver better products, better advice, and better information to help you live your healthiest life. So holistic pharmacist is a term that I've made up. I like to keep it real with you people. That's, that's, I just made up the word. So my goal though, isn't to push drugs. It's quite the opposite. I want people off their medicines and off their excessive supplements, just using lifestyle modifications and 
only things when it's appropriate, just to prevent as much disease as we can and to help us treat and manage any illnesses that come up. So um, I know that the medical industry is a mess right now. I'm a part of it and it's it's not that great, but we need the traditional stuff too. The supplements can't be the alpha and the omega here. Um, so we can't live our best lives without all three pieces, lifestyle, supplements, medic and medications. And that's what I believe a real holistic pharmacist is. But mostly I'm just a big mouth professional who gets a little crazy and asks the tough questions. We have a podcast. You guys are my uh, dedicated fans. You guys should check out the podcast. There's a lots of really great information there. It's not the presentation format. I've been doing a lot of interviews uh, with industry experts or uh, people that are in the wellness space. And we talk about lots of uh, fun topics uh, such as uh, histamine. I don't know if you guys know, but histamine is a thing. And in fact, it's a thing that the natural products industry uh, says that everybody suffers from and they don't really need to. Uh, we're going to talk about melatonin. I did that sleep webinar and that sleep uh, podcast previously with Dr. Neil Stanley. And um, he's introduced me to somebody uh, who's an expert in melatonin. So I'm going to speak about that. We just had an opioid expert, a pain manager an expert that uh, was right in the heart of the opioid crisis, weigh in on, on the crisis uh, from the perspective of a practitioner. So that was awesome. And then very, very shortly, I'm going to be talking about menopause with a uh, doctor that's created his own method for treating uh, menopause. So check it out. This is important. Um, all of this stuff is true. Don't do anything without talking to an expert. I'm a pharmacist, but I'm not necessarily your pharmacist. So uh, don't believe anything that you see here uh, or read on the internet. So my responsibility, uh, my, my responsibility is to be responsible. There's going to be no outrageous claims, just real practical advice around products and what the current evidence shows. So in other words, no BS. Today, four topics. We're going to redefine stress. We're going to talk about adrenal fatigue. We're going to talk about supplements for stress. And then we're going to give you a stress management protocol. Um, I'm covering a lot of things and each one of those four things could have its own webinar. Uh, so we're not going to dive deep into any one thing. So if you feel like you got gypped on something, don't worry, I'm going to be doing more on the topic in the near future. So let's redefine stress. But I believe that stress sinks and that'll never need redefining. Um, so what is stress? I don't know. Just check the internet. Every single blogger on the planet has written some sort of article about what is stress and all this other stuff, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, my answer to this, uh, just from a, a, like a different understanding, it's just any physical response to a stressor. And stress is mediated by the adrenal glands, which release hormones, and those hormones release other compounds and have actions in almost all body systems to help us respond to those stressors. The adrenal glands, of course, are the small glands found behind the kidneys. Ad is behind and renal is kidney, of course. And they make three types of hormones, corticosteroids, catecholamines, and androgens. And they do all sorts of great stuff. Again, I'm going, I'm going quick here. Corticosteroids are the name for the two major hormone types by the outside of the adrenal gland. It's kind of like a layer cake, I guess. Um, or more accurately and, and apt to me, uh, peanut M&M. This is the 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 candy coating, right? Uh, mineral corticoids um, are one type. They regulate the blood pressure and electrolytes and glucocorticoids, the ones that you probably are aware of, like cortisone and that kind of thing and prednisone um, or cortisol, since we're talking about um, adrenal fatigue. Um, they regulate fat metabolism and the immune system. 
Uh, we also have catecholamines, and you guys might know these as epinephrine or norepinephrine, adrenaline, adrenal, adrenaline. These are the things that are responsible for our fight or flight uh, response, increasing blood pressure, heart rate, and I said blood pressure twice because it's that important, and the breathing rate. Um, the the other thing is, is that your adrenal glands do secrete sex hormones, uh, particularly androgens, um, so DHEA, progesterone to a small degree, and then those compounds are converted in your primary sex uh, organs to estrogen and testosterone and stuff. Um, that will be brought up again on a future uh, webinar about menopause. So knock that one away for the future. Blah, 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 Neil, that's what everybody says. And you're right, you can read Wikipedia or a biology book and get all of that information. So what really matters? So these are the compounds that help us manage stressors on the cellular level, all the way up to what you're actually experiencing. So again, fight or flight and, and, and how to live in this world, uh, all the way down to little individual molecular interactions that are going on in our body. So when needed, the system will get your blood moving so you can protect yourself, make more fuel available, and shut down everything that's not needed at that moment. Uh, all of these are in separate areas of the adrenal gland and they're separately secreted, but they're all from the same place. And this is important. The adrenal glands have a heavy workload. But what we should do, since we're talking about stress, is, is understand what are stressors. And um, I just want you to drop the idea that stress is just the big emotional things, right? I hate my sister because of what she said or did, or I, I, I don't like uh, my dog because it poops all over the place, right? The big emotional things, I'm getting a divorce, right? That's stress for sure, but we have to think about it a little bit more deeply. The stress and a stressor is our body's response to any demand that's usually out of the norms. Um, the system's whole entire purpose is, uh, makes way more sense if you think about it from this perspective. Um, all its goal is is to move us more towards normal when we're temporarily not normal. So this is two things, the common ups and downs of living as a human, right? We'd be in trouble if we weren't okay with not eating for a couple hours or you know, having different uh, temperatures or climates to sleep through, or not getting enough sleep, right? But then we also have this system for the real problems, which are the lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Surviving against potential predators or competitors is the other role here. But there's no more lions in your house, right? Um, I mean, I haven't had to deal one in a little bit. Um, so these rare predators aren't here any longer. Uh, but what about the rare modern threats? And I even challenge that notion. I, I think if you Think about your last experience with this. The last time that you had a dramatic fight or flight response, you know, the blood rushing, smoke coming out of your ears as your hairline recedes, was this truly a threat? Um, and I would say probably not. There's, it's very rare. Like, again, there are threats to your safety, like accidents or, or a fist fight that would definitely be justified with a fight or flight response. But sometimes you just get a little spooked, right? And this happens. Um, so was that full system needed? Probably not, but it, but it happened. And, um, you know, so the this system that's meant for just these super rare things shows up in modern life all the time. And it's not really made to be on all the time. It's not made to be used so frequently. The stress response system is meant for or basically optimal for the occasional out of norm situation. But today, stress is constant. It's always on. We 
have poor sleep all the time. We're eating like crap all the time. So worry and emotional problems have taken over for our fears of predators and safety because we're generally safe people. So there are many ways that we can like, again, look at these stressors to understand them better and to understand how things that we don't think are a problem are actually a problem. So again, one of the things we think about when we think about stress is like the time-based one. So these are the stresses I have every day. So I have to get up and go to work and I don't want to. And then I've got my family when I get home, they're all screaming four kids, that whole thing. And then we have the daily responsibilities that add stress to our plate. And then we have the sudden stuff. You lose a job, you get a divorce, all sorts of crazy things happen. Um, or the very traumatic accident, wars, natural disasters, these bigger kind of events. Those are the large things, but how do we categorize the small or little, little thought of events? And I like to just put things in two bins just because two or three is easier and it's better for comedic effect. First, psychological stress. So all of the emotional things that bother you, the interpersonal tensions that we have. Unresolved problems can be uh, an emotional thing. Like, oh, I should have said this one thing or I said the wrong thing to the other person. That's a stressor that's going on in your head. If you have lots of tasks to complete like me, um, that's a stress, thinking of all the things that you have to do. And then of course, all of the mental health stuff, anxiety, depression, depression, bipolar disorder, all of these things create more stress, additional psychological stress in people. But then there's the physical stuff. And a lot of us don't think of it. Uh, pain, discomfort, trauma, anything that that shifts your body a little bit. Um, so I even bring up nutrition for people. Not eating enough calories at the right times or being deficient in specific macronutrients or eating unhealthy things like inflammatory foods, that is a stressor on your body. The lack of sleep, the lack of proper exercise, or excessively intense exercise can be stressors. Medications and supplements are one of the biggest offenders. In fact, I would say like uh, a lot of the, the choices that we make can have uh, a horrible impact on us, even though we're trying to do a, a healthy thing. Um, also diseases. Uh, if you just take anything from the outside world and put it inside our body, that can increase um, the stress on the body. Chemicals being one of those things. And I'm speaking mostly about all the horrible stuff you ingest with cigarettes or illicit drugs. And the more types of stress, the greater the intensity, and the longer that it lasts, the higher the overall stress load. And it's not additive. It's not like one and one is two, but it's more like one and one is five. Um, there's no set formula, of course. It's all very individual. I just don't want you to be the camel. Stop having all the straw accumulate on your back. It's not, it's not helping out here. Um, so I had said in the webinar description that a comprehensive holistic approach to stress management is the greatest step you can take to live your best life, uh, lives. Um, the, the thing here is like, that seems like a very dramatic statement. And don't you say that about everything? I don't, um, because stress is more than just the emotional stuff. It's directly linked to the other parts of our wellness. So if you have better stress management, you're going to make, uh, that will make you healthier and being healthier will allow you to manage and respond to stress better. So it's a very like um, additive process. Just the idea of uh, addressing stress will make you healthier and make you have less stress. Um, the stress you feel in the physical toll on your body is a response to an aggregation of all your other choices. If you choose to live a, a stress, uh, less stressed life, that means that you're inherently choosing to have better sleep and exercise and nutrition. So it's stress seems to be like the undercurrent uh, below everything. 
Our modern reality is that stress is omnipresent. So body systems that have evolved for occasional stress support are constantly activated. We must understand all sources of stress, not just the common ones, and work to reduce our reliance on these backup systems because we often cannot modify the volume or intensity of the stress itself. Recovery doesn't happen. That's kind of what I'm saying is like, if somebody jumped out right now and scared you, you'd get scared and 10 seconds later, the blood would start moving and then you'd have that fight or flight kind of response where your heart's racing and, and you're just kind of like coming out of your skin. But after the time, you slowly recover. With stress today, we're barely recovering. It's kind of like walking around a haunted house, except the fear isn't that baseline emotion. It's exhaustion and resignation that, oh, this is cool, right? And the results of this lifestyle, it's bonkers. So this is a chart that I included on the blog when I was talking about stress uh, very basically about a year ago. And essentially it's say, it said the systems that are impacted by cortisol and stress have a very different response early than they do later. Um, and so the, the moral of the story here is that while it might be important important for our body to be able to tighten up the muscles and uh, make you more reactionary. If you do that too often, that will lead to headaches, migraines, and cramps. But more importantly, looking at the cardiovascular and GI system, you can see very clearly that you stress over a long period of time is directly related to, and I don't say that a lot in these webinars, I try to be more responsible, but it is directly related to disease. Um, so you have to understand that chronic stress mistreated is going to cause uh, lots of problems in your health and wellness. Here's two scary stress facts that a lot of people aren't connecting. Uh, we're alive and we're, we just feel kind of like funky, right? We have these nonspecific symptoms and it could be res a result of chronic stress. So you walk around with muscle tension or achiness or even heartburn and reflux. That could just be stress. It could, it could be a result of chronic stress. And the unmanaged chronic stress may be, I, I would say is, a large contributor to chronic diseases like heart disease and diabetes, dementia, and more. So th those two ideas right there should be enough for a lot of us. But we're not listening. I, I, I have literally said nothing that you guys don't already know, right? Everybody knows this. We have a large scale social awareness of stress and its contribution to our health, but we also have our signals that our body's sending us, right? We, we hear the big cultural, you know, media, blah, 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 about stress and how bad it is. And then our bodies are screaming at us all day and we ignore it. Um, we said on the sleep webinar and podcast that we have to value sleep and make it important to us in order for us to get good sleep. And that goes doubly so for stress. So stop making stress acceptable. I'll also point out one more thing. And again, I'm trying to just give you a little bit of insight uh, around stress uh, as it's a little bit more useful um, and what I've heard from people. Our journey to manage stress is filled with obstacles internally. Uh, obviously, we have to make it important, as I just said, but we also rationalize it away. Nah, my stress isn't that bad. You know, I can handle it, you know, the macho stuff. We also compare our stress to others. Yours is bigger than mine, uh, mine is bigger than yours, all that stuff, and it makes stress worse. Um, so we have these internal obstacles that make stress ac acceptable. And if we're doing it to ourselves and we're judging ourselves about how we're handling stress, you better believe that we're doing it to other people. I know I do it. 
I judge others um, and I have the fear of being judged about stress or even admitting that stress is a problem, right? Um, we judge them based on their handling of their stress. Um, here's an example that actually came up when we were, we were talking about this topic in the, with the staff here. I'm not even gonna link the stupid article just because it was making me mad, but it's like the let's mock millennials stress. And it had a bunch of lists of like what the millennials believe that they're stressed out about from a survey. And it's like very, you know, you know, like random garbage, like losing your phone. Like, oh my God, that's what they're stressed out about. And, but the boomers, they were stressed about polio and smallpox. So the stress that the millennial has, uh, millennials have are not, is not valid is essentially what this is saying. And it just kind of feeds into that idea that um, stress uh, doesn't have to be, is only these big things and it's not these little things uh, that can that can be a problem here for people. So I, I think that the idea of like um, the, the comparison between different groups or different people is a real big problem for people admitting that their stress is, is, is as big of a problem uh, as it should be. Um, and I've had to say this a couple of times and if you're taking enough action to come to this webinar, I just want you to know that what you probably need right now because of your awareness of this problem, you know what's what's up, uh, your body's screaming at you but you're not listening. So you need somebody outside telling you that there is a problem. I needed this not too long ago. You're ignoring the signs, the intensity is increasing, this is getting worse, you're not making it as important. So I'm your trusted resource now saying, it's time to do something, red alert. And when somebody did that for me, that was a big eye opener. And, and I said, you're right, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to the signs of chronic stress. I'm not you know, believing my body when it's saying it's exhausted, right? And so I needed to hear that from outside. So hopefully um, the super puff uh, red light here will uh, be enough for you. The impact of untreated or mismanaged chronic stress can be devastating. What many of us are doing or not doing is not working. We are ignoring all of our body's alerts. The time to act is now before it's too late. All right, on that cheery note, let's talk about adrenal fatigue where the stress bag gets pooped out. So adrenal fatigue is this thing, and here's the, the theory here. Chronic stress decreases the time to replenish your adrenal hormone stores. So if you think about that, you, you, it's kind of like a, a stress bag, as I was saying, like a squeezy bag. And every time you have a stress, you squeeze stuff out, right? And it shoots out, and then it takes time for that bag to fill up again before you can squeeze out another good dose of uh, stress hormone stuff, right? Um, so because you're constantly doing this, just constantly squeezing the stress gland, you're not uh, allowing your gland to replenish the store. So then it becomes less and less responsive and then your body craves more and more and it eventually gets tired. It, uh, it gets fatigued. Uh, so when you need them, which is constantly, you won't be able to produce sufficient amount to meet your needs. And then you rely on external stimulants like caffeine and all the things I told you to avoid a few slides back to power through the day, further depleting stores and further lowering our stress response. And as a result, you're tired. If you get under stress, you get like hypoglycemic, you get shaky, you get weak, you get tired. Uh, they call it wired and tired, right? And other adrenal hormone related conditions get worse. Menopause being one of them. And this is again for that lecture, but because your sex hormones are being uh, created primarily by your adrenal glands after menopause, chronic stress 
will deplete your um, stress hormones or cause stress uh, sex hormones to be released erratically, making hot flashes and all that other fun stuff come up more often. So it takes menopause, which should be a short thing and makes it this big, big, long event. And so again, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but again, adrenal fatigue makes it so you can't handle stress as well as you did in the past. And then you crave unhealthy foods, salts and sweets and high fats. And all of that stuff makes you feel better. You need caffeine to, to power through the day. You have this, uh, this typical energy pattern. You, you can't get up early and it takes you until like early morning to really get moving like 10 o'clock in the morning and then usually feel better and fully awake after your lunchtime meal, right? Your best part of the day is six o'clock. The sun's going down and, and everything's, you're kind of relaxing. That's when you're most energetic and you feel like your best sleep is between seven and, and 9 a.m. And doesn't this sound like you? This kind of sounds like me. It sounds like almost exactly like me. And oh my God, it's so great to know what's finally wrong with me, right? Um, but the truth is, uh, this is is uh, a a scam, um, essentially. The adrenal support industry comes out of this. So this concept of adrenal fatigue leads to this whole system. All right. There's diagnoses. So we have special saliva tests that'll measure your cortisol and DHEA levels. And that will tell me if you have adrenal fatigue because they have a pattern, low cortisol at specific times, or in severe cases, you'll just flatline, right? And then, oh, we have these special treatments and protocols. After you pay for a consult with me, you can get all these specific supplements. You have to fill out a questionnaire and like I have to understand more about you, of course, but you'll get the supplements and then those specific supplements are unique and they're the things that are gonna help you with this adrenal fatigue. And uh, my blend, of course, is better than Bob's blend and all of that other stuff. Um, and then, of course, you'll feel better. You're gonna feel dramatically better because you know, better is something that you can measure. <laughs> you know, it's like most people seem better when they do these these protocols. Um, and again, I'm not going to be hypocritical. I have adrenal support formulas. I sell these kinds of products as well because people are looking for them and we want them to have a good source. But I believe adrenal fatigue is a deadly deception. People are feeling real pain and these are like non-specific generalized symptoms and are medically normal. So there's no problem. They've gone to the doctor to see if, you know, something's wrong with them and there's something that they need to change, but they're good. Um, and they're just desperate for help. So they're sold a bill of goods. Adrenal fatigue is this complex disease that isn't understood by modern science or big pharma, right? It's a diagnosis specialized and it's expensive. You can't get it from your doctor. They don't know enough about it. And the treatment is unique with special supplements that can help. In other words, they have an axe to grind and they're grinding the heck out of it. So here's the truth about adrenal fatigue. It's not an officially recognized medical term. There's no official diagnosis in any US or international medical organizations. There's no recognized diagnostic tests. And in fact, the whole term was coined by a chiropractor in 1998, so when I graduated high school, not too long ago, with zero evidence besides an aggregation of anecdotes, okay? But here's my conflict. It's, there's no official disease called adrenal fatigue. In fact, adrenal diseases are really clear cut. I worked for an endocrine office for a while. They're easy to diagnose and treat. Even though it's a little complicated, it's manageable, right? But so many of us suffer from these symptoms. We don't feel good. We feel sick. Um, and it sure looks like adrenal fatigue. Um, so the, the symptoms are real, the patterns are consistent, and all of that just despite the there's no data, 
and putting all these things into a single bin, call it whatever you want to call it, it's going to help somebody. So here's what I feel about adrenal fatigue. So, you know, I'm the first one to call out BS on this whole thing, but even though it's not a real disease or officially recognized, the symptoms of chronic stress are very real. And by making modifications to manage that chronic stress, we can rid ourselves of this adrenal fatigue syndrome. Um, some supplements even can act as a crutch to help us as we put into place the right behaviors. Adrenal fatigue is not an official medical condition, but I understand what people are saying when they say they're suffering with it. Those suffering can get results with common sense, holistic management, not unnecessary consults, diagnostics, and supplements. So in other words, I don't care. Call it what you want to call it. I would prefer it if you called adrenal fatigue chronic stress. I think that you'll, you'll, um, you'll burn less bridges, you'll, you'll sugar up the doctors. Because if you do want to talk to somebody like a healthcare professional about um, your stress problems, if you say adrenal fatigue, they're going to think that you're in this other mindset where you need all this kind of like unproven science uh, and non-scientific uh, things to, to, to get results. And, and really, if you say I have chronic stress and I need help managing that, that that is something that a, any doctor, any traditional practitioner can kind of get behind. Um, so I only care because people are being exploited. The same results can be taken with simple lifestyle modifications that you do. You do these whole crazy programs that these guys are offering. But if you just take the programs away and do lifestyle modifications, you'll get those same results. Um, and with that, there's less reliance on these gurus. And um, it's just too easy to prey upon people that don't feel good. Um, but the most offensive part for me is the testing. Okay, so, and I used to test people for adrenal fatigue. This is something that you should know. It's like in 2010, when I first did this lecture, um, I had just heard from that naturopath that came up with adrenal fatigue. He had taught me during a face-to-face -face lecture. And um, so I was using it as a tool to test people. And then I kind of realized like, well, what does it matter? You know, I can say to somebody, oh, here are all the markers. It's clear your problem is adrenal fatigue. Your cortisol levels are pooped out, right? But do you need that? Do you really freaking need that? You don't. You don't need that. There's almost no chance that chronic stress isn't a factor in nearly everyone's health. Managing stress is a foundational requirement for a holistic program, regardless of a test or diagnosis. There's no justification for expensive tests and questionnaires, except if we're trying to prove to someone who isn't listening that stress is impacting their health so dramatically, or more relevantly, we're trying to justify our existence and our, expensive, uh, our expense via parlor tricks. So basically what I'm trying to say here is that the tests work if you have somebody that just isn't getting it through their head that stress is a real problem. They haven't made it important yet, but you're listening to this webinar, so hopefully you're making stress important. So here's something that I'm going to do from here on out in the webinar. If you haven't been able to figure out, I'm not just trying to take a topic, give you a unique perspective that you may not hear in other places, uh, but I'm also giving you some perspective of a bigger picture. And it's something kind of clicked for me while I was doing this, uh, this webinar and like having these discussions. So I want to dig into a bigger lesson. So there's a framework that many of us utilize and, and you know, we talk about all the time, natural versus traditional medicine. And, and that's a learned dichotomy. That structure is taught to us by someone, mostly by propaganda. And I've showed you numerous times that this isn't a two-sided war. It's the same thing. The natural product industry is owned by the pharmaceutical company. These guys are doing the same thing that these guys are doing, except they're masquerading. They're, they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
But there's another learned behavior that adrenal fatigue brings to light. And this may feel weird. Do not take this as any sort of offense. Again, we're just walking through a couple uh, pieces. But like I realized like when I was saying this, it may seem like I'm targeting people. I'm not. Definitely not doing that. Don't feel defensive. This isn't about you in particular. This is about the system that's creating this structure where you have a pain and they have the solution. And that's what I'm trying to help you with. So the other learned behavior is that uh, you know, people are anti-medical establishment, but I, I, I really noticed that a lot of them want the whole medical establishment experience, but just from the natural product side. So they want to consult with an expert and they want somebody with credentials. They don't want a, a doctor. They want like a naturopath. They want, you know, a functional medicine guy. You know, they want all of those kinds of criteria. Then they want a diagnosis. So we want to know exactly what's wrong and we want a test done to prove that even if the testing method is unproven. And then we want a protocol. We want a plan, specific actionable steps that we can take. We need results. We want to feel better. And this is a trap, okay? With adrenal fatigue, it's clear how unnecessary it is. You don't need someone to tell you that you're stressed and it's impacting your health. You don't need a special regimen of products. We fall into this trap though, and this is the kind of insight, I, I hope this helps, because we have a flaw as humans. When we have that structure, we can shift the blame from us and the decisions we make to something else, okay? It's not me or my choices. I have adrenal fatigue, okay? And that's not a weakness. This is the emotional human. This is part of who we are. And more importantly, the natural product industry is preying on this emotional and sometimes illogical processing. This is an awareness problem. We can't stop this. We're programmed this way. I do it at times, right? We just have to be aware that this is how our brains behave. And when we're aware of it, we can stop the cycle. That itch that we're scratching by finding a diagnosis and going through the motions doesn't need to be scratched. There is no itch. There is no spoon, right? So I get it though. I understand why people want this. I understand that for some, it's not the medicine, it's the spoon. So those processes, the protocols, diagnostics, the expert, they help people arrive at a better place. And that's all we really want. But I don't believe we should blindly give that agency over to charlatans, right? I don't think that just because protocols help people doesn't mean that I need to spend all the money and spend all the resources and put all my trust into somebody who's just trying to make a profit based on my fears. You're all you need. I want this agency to go back to you. If you're on a wellness journey, just be aware that I mean, we, we want things that we don't need. We almost have everything we need to live our best lives. We just need a little nudge. Um, so don't let anyone take that or your money or your time or anything else away from you. You just need you. So that's my little diversion. And that's a, a, a very important lesson that I think uh, adrenal fatigue brings to the forefront. So let's talk about stress supplements. I just, a lot of S words, so right, anyway. So there are three types of stress supplements and there are many different products on the market. Like I just showed you a picture of all of our different adrenal formulas and there's adrenal this and adrenal that. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed. So I just wanted to simplify it again, three bins just to make everybody understand this stuff better. There are three types of 
ingredients that would go into any adrenal support formula. The first one is micronutrients. So this is vitamins and like amino acids and stuff like that, that our body would use for the stress responses. There's hormones. So they'll actually use hormones that you would use during stress to, uh, to like help replenish what's missing. Um, and then the other compounds are the things that we use to help us feel better at, about stress. So these are the sedatives or the stimulants. These are the things that will either calm us or give us energy. So stress supplements, when you buy them, will have one to three of those different types. Okay, so um, I hope that makes it easy. But let's let's kind of go through like what you would see. So the micronutrient side of things, you're going to see the B vitamins. B vitamins are depleted when you're stressed out. So they'll normally jam a lot of B vitamins into stress supplements. So B6 is the big player. Sometimes you'll see B12. Vitamin C is used a lot by um, our, our like uh, hyperactive cells, our immune response, uh, which are involved in stress. And then the other one I see a lot of is amino acids like tyrosine and N-acetylcysteine. I've said this a million times before, if you listen to my other uh, webinars, I believe there's no reason for you to micromanage your micronutrients. Most of us aren't efficient in these micronutrients and there's little clinical evidence, if any, to support the use of these micronutrients like B vitamins and stuff, especially the doses that they're provided um, in stress, okay? Someone who has a rounded diet and is hitting macronutrient goals will have sufficient, if not excess vitamins used in stress response. So just eat, you don't need micro, nutrients to to help you deal with stress i will say though um we don't eat a lot of foods rich in those b vitamins and i have seen myself where uh, this particular whole food b complex makes people feel better and i attribute that to the ingredients because when's the last time you had organ meat right? This is part of the reason why everybody is on this collagen kick. We're not eating those things anymore. So um, I believe that a whole food B supplement may be beneficial for people that are in a state of stress that um, don't eat B-rich foods. So this is just another food to supplement because you're missing it from your diet. Um, you would normally take it first thing in the morning and then like in the mid-afternoon. This is kind of like the only time I'll, I'll do a supplement recommendation here. Um, so moving from the vitamins to the other class, which are the hormones that are released. So essentially what they're saying is your low in cortisol, take cortisol. The thing is that they can't give you cortisol, right? It's not legal. So what they'll do is they'll take glandular ingredients. So what does that mean? Well, that means they're going to take the gland out of animals. They're going to grind it up and they're going to put it in a pill for you. And that's kind of gross, right? Cows and pigs. Um, and they're putting in adrenal glands, spleen, thymus, yikes. Um, other hormones like DHEA are available over the counter, like as gland free versions. Uh, but the idea is, is that these glands and these products will give you back the hormones that you need in a natural way and will help you replace what's missing. Um, there's a few problems with this. The problem one is variability. We have to remember that the best way to use hormones is consistently. It has to match what our body makes and it has to be used at the same time every day. So a gland will have variable amounts of hormones at any one time, right? What if the cow has adrenal fatigue, guys, right? So one's cow's adrenals will have a different cortisol than another's. And a gland might not even have any cortisol at all. Just because they wrote adrenal gland doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get any cortisol. In fact, they're only formulating it to contain the gland. They're not formulated to contain a certain amount of cortisol. So um, if the gland did have hormone in it, well, it's got to get processed. It's got to get 
chopped up, dehydrated, turned into a capsule, and hormones are fragile. I would assume that in the process of making glandulars, you're going to get something, but it's going to be degraded. Okay. The other thing is absorption. You know, we eat animals. That's we're omnivores. So our stomach and our our GI tract does a good job of not absorbing anything that could potentially influence our body uh, in a negative way. Imagine if we ate a piece of chicken and then we got all the chicken neurotransmitters. That would make our our whole bodies go wild. So I mean, our gastrointestinal tract is preventing the absorption of things, but then it's a pit of acid. So hormones, neurotransmitters will have very, very limited oral absorption. And if they do absorb orally, that could be a problem. Um, there's no, so there's no guarantee the amount of glandular product that you actually need will get absorbed if you take it orally. So that's the second problem. Third problem, of course, is quality. So animals are gross and modern farming is worse. So supplement companies, they're cheap and they're just going to cut corners and they're, they don't care because nobody's really watching. And um, even if you could guarantee like a clean supply chain, like I'll argue that our glandulars are, are uh, made with a little bit more thought. Uh, many companies aren't even trying. So hormone replacement does work though. So if you have somebody, you know, somebody with diabetes and they use insulin, somebody with menopause and they use estrogen, uh, you know, we know this, this works. And so the same thing, if you have somebody that has true adrenal insufficiency and you give them cortisol, that's great. They'll need cortisol and they'll need all the other hormones, of course. But, um, you know, a real doctor will use cortisol, hydrocortisone tablets to treat adrenal problems. So some practitioners will prescribe hydrocortisone to replace the lost hormone during stressful times. And, you know, whatever, like, I'm okay with any of that. But you have to know, there should be like three things. Anytime you do that, you want an expert to do it, not just any, you know, Joe Blow uh, deciding that they're going to give you cortisol. Uh, you want a purified, absorbable dose of a specific hormone. Stay away from glandulars and use the specific hormones. Use cortisol. Don't use adrenal gland. And tread carefully because using the hormone strategically to bridge like a depleted state um, to normal function is very difficult. So again, if I give you hormone, that means the gland in our body that makes the hormone is going to take a nap because it says, hey, I don't have to work because the hormone's already there right? If it takes a nap for too long, it's going to take quite a while before it wakes up and gets efficient again. So um, it's very, very important that we like bridge that carefully. So again, not just any Joe Schmo, but like a real doctor that's done this before, preferably an endocrinologist. So then there are other compounds that we can use for stress management. Um, and I just kind of put them in three broad categories, calming agents, stimulants, and adaptogens. And I'm just going to stay here for a second. So when you think of calming agents, that's any of the traditional sedatives. So that's anything from the benzodiazepines and anti-anxiety drugs to the you know CBD. We can't go one minute without talking about CBD anymore, but CBD is a great calming agent. It helps out with anxiety and people dealing with stress. We use it all the time. Stimulants, using caffeine helps boosting yourself through a lull because you're fatigued and stressed, that works. Um, it's not ideal long-term. Neither one of them are ideal long-term, um, but they're real options. And, you know, we, we're aware of what they are. There's this third class, though, that I want to talk about again, because I'm trying to give you a little bit of information that you may not have already. So let's talk about adaptogens and the claims that they make. So if you look at this, this is a chart of the common adaptogens. So an adaptogen is something that claims that it can modulate your stress response. And uh, what that means is that if you have a little bit too much stress, it'll bring it down just a little bit. If you need a little bit more energy, it's going to bring your energy up. And like these are the claims that these things make. This is what if you Google adaptogen, this is the first result. 
This is what you would see. Ashwagandha reduces stress and anxiety. Astragalus combats fatigue. Cordyceps boosts stamina. I didn't know that there was a stamina system. And, I, and if there was a stamina system that you can just boost by flicking a switch, that would be really awesome, right? And if you can see here, like making claims that ginseng boosts working memory, reaction time, and calmness. These are quite aggressive claims, okay? I don't support or make these claims. I'm just demonstrating what you're going to see, okay? So I'm you know, trying to do this justice, but you know, this can be its own conversation because I'm probably the only person talking about adaptogens that's like, time out, right? So they're compounded, you know, adaptogens are these compounds that are purported to have a unique mechanism of action, almost contrary to or outside our current understanding of pharmacology. Like we've talked about before, drugs and supplements work because they're a key that's interacting with a door. They're unlocking a door and opening up a door. These guys are saying that their adaptogens are essentially like little AI molecules that are going around and flipping leathers and opening doors to certain degrees and, and like having this very sophisticated response. So in this mechanism of action, they're not, you know, sedating you or exciting you like everything else, but instead they're just kind of tweaking the system. And if we don't have enough of a response, they help you meet the need. If we have too much, it's going to blunt your response. So that to me is a, a little bit much. I'll say though that they work. I know people use adaptogens and we recommend them. Um, and uh, you know, I believe that people get results from them, right? That normally comes with a disclaimer because you know, I, I only hear the success cases, people that where it doesn't work, I rarely hear, you know, and there's no real clinical evidence here. This is just me kind of reporting. Um, different people have different needs, of course. But in general, though, you can probably find somebody who said they've used rhodiola or ashwagandha and it helped them support their stress and they're happy about it. But I'm not going to tear down adaptogens. I'm just going to like say it's a tough sell for me. So we know a little bit about them, but there's so much that's still not understood. It's really tough for a, a, like a responsible practitioner to make a recommendation. I was looking up information to give you the best information here. And the most prolific author on adaptogens over the past 10 or 20 years is one guy. And he's an employee of a big supplement brand that sells adaptogens. And that's bias, of course, right? But the outside clinical data by third-party groups, government groups, very, very poor. Most of the studies uh, are almost dismissed in the abstract at the beginning because the methodologies are so poor, right? They're not even saying who they're going to include in the, in, the, in the study or like how they're going to exclude. And they're talking about these weird outcomes, you know, like, um, again, boosting stamina. Like, how do you measure boosting stamina? Because my stamina is different than somebody else's. Um, the European Medicines Agency, if you have a moment, you should type in that European Medicines Agency and Adaptogen. They wrote a nice little uh, paper to guide practitioners on this and, and to make a determination if they're going to add adaptogen to their like acceptable list or whatever. And they, of course, they said no. Um, but basically said that the mechanism of action of adaptogens doesn't fit logically. People seem to respond to them, but um, we can't use the term adaptogen and it's kind of a weird thing. Again, there's no endurance system. You can't boost endurance. Uh, it's it's complicated and multifactorial. So, um, you know, this is kind of me in one picture talking about adaptogens, like super skeptical, but like, okay, sure, you know, whatever. The There's so many questions for me. Uh, so if this mechanism of action is so unique and helpful, how can we haven't developed other drugs around that mechanism, you know? 
how do we, how does it know what system needs how much of a push, right? And do we really want to blunt our body's stress response? And I, I don't know what those answers are, but again, what I, I do know is that when it comes to supplements that are used for stress support, the three big ones are calming agents, stimulants, and adaptogens. And whatever the mechanism is, those things work. And I like to, and I prefer to just say that some of those herbs that are called adaptogens have a general calming effect and some of them have a general stimulating effect. And I think that's a better way to think about it versus like they do all this sophisticated stuff. Um, so, all right, Neil, stop rambling. What supplement do I use? Well, that's the wrong question. The right one is what do I need to improve my wellness? So now it's time to talk uh, brass tacks. What is our strategy? Our stress management strategy, leave off the last stress for savings. So no BS stress management is is the most natural, functional, and holistic approach that you can come up with, right? The the thing is, is that we don't we have this instinct to go to supplements, but I'm saying don't do that. So you, we gotta break your habits and do all this stuff, yada yada yada. But the biggest thing that we have to do is get over this idea that we're gonna live a stress-free life. Okay. So Stress management is holistic practice. It's It doesn't need diagnoses and supplements and protocols. But we also have to have right, the right expectations is that you are not going to turn off stress. You have no control over the volume or intensity, as I said before. You can't live a stress-free life. We're all going to have stress, okay? It's just going to be varying degrees. So the only thing that we can change is our reaction to the stress. And we can do our best to plan to mitigate or reduce stressors, but we'll always have to deal with and manage stress at some point in our life. So we have to set realistic expectations. So this protocol costs you $0, two parts, deal with your stress and stop everything else from causing stress. That is as simple and as complicated as it gets. So eliminate your direct stressors like substances or mother-in-laws and learn management skills for the other stressors, how to deal with information overload or anxiety and depression and stuff like that. Then stopping everything else, you have to climb the pyramid, the wellness pyramid. You have to eat better, sleep better, exercise more, throw away your addicting stuff. You can use supplements strategically to support your wellness and then seeking professional help is crucial. So let's go through each one of those. So how do we eliminate the direct stressors in our life? So what things are increasing your stress emotionally or physically right now? And for me, being overworked or exhausted. Again, I'm on hour 14 right now, right? Um, we have horrible relationships we're in, illicit drugs, alcohol, nicotine, inflammatory foods. I keep saying that over and over again during these webinars. Untreated or mismanaged diseases are stressors and drugs or supplements that have high risk of adverse events, have active metabolites, drug interactions, or just generally not ideal. So what I would suggest you do for the management of this kind of stuff is talk to an, a, a clinical pharmacist. A clinical pharmacist or somebody that has an understanding about how all these drugs are different and, and like what the ideal drug for you is can help you um, eliminate potential stressors. We had talked about in um, a previous uh, webinar, I believe about benzodiazepines and how if you take one benzodiazepine, it gets metabolized to other active forms. So it hangs around your body and causes stress on your system for days after. So we have to make sure that we're making the right choices to eliminate the things that we can right now and get everything kind of cleaned up. 
So you're making a plan to get rid of these as soon as possible, but as soon as possible isn't immediate. Some of this is going to take time. It takes time to get off of alcohol and nicotine and stuff like that. So um, the most important part is just eliminating the things that are directly stressing you out. So we have to learn these management skills of how to deal with stress. And um, so if we can't plan, uh, change anything or we're planning to change something, how do we best care for ourselves right now today? Um, so how do we deal with information overload? How do we deal with our of task lists and how do we do with our anxiety depression so i've got some answers for you so part of the problem right now that we have that's causing a lot of stress is information overload in fact that's what i would say the number one problem is uh and so the thing is, is you have to understand is that and I'm, I'm giving you a little bit inside baseball all businesses are taught and told from marketing experts that content is king so everybody is just generating content to position themselves as an expert aka webinars and podcasts and blogs right so everything is content right now and another part is that we go to the content as a form of stress relief right you're a little stressed out i'm gonna go to reddit or facebook and i'm gonna scroll through and i'm engaging with contact i'm gonna check google news right you're using that as a form of stress relief but it's causing more stress and then we're engaging with content on addicting platforms and addicting devices. So the simple answer here, just get rid of Facebook, lock your device in a drawer, just go old school, just start sending smoke signals to people. That's the way to roll. Um, I did do a podcast with Dr. Melissa Hunt. We talked about social media and some strategies for like more responsible use. You have to understand that your brain's a whiteboard, right? So we're trying to plan things out on the whiteboard. And what ends up happening is that we fill up that whiteboard with all these like to-do lists because we're trying to store the wrong information in our brains. And as a result, we have these unclosed loops, these processes um, that are going on in our head. Oh, got to do this, got to do that. Oh, I'm in my closet. My light bulb's out. So now I need to I'm remember that I have to get the light bulb. And that's now stressing me out because I, I forgot that I needed a light bulb when I was at the the hardware store just two seconds ago, right? So we're processing these consciously and, and mostly subconsciously and and they're creating um, these emotional and physical stresses in our lives. So we have to get all of this stuff out of our head and to-do lists help, but not all the way. So if you have a lot on your mind, I, I dare you to sit down with a pen and pad and write everything out and just as it comes to you, just do a brain dump, just get it out for a half an hour. Next step, just go back through the list and expand upon the ideas and develop it all out. How do you feel? Great, right? Because you get all that out of your head, that's a huge weight off your shoulders. You'll feel great removing this burden and placing in a trusted external system, and that's an important piece. But if you don't maintain the system, your brain won't trust you anymore. And even if you dump out the info, it's gonna keep a copy and it's gonna defeat the whole purpose of the exercise. So I would tell you, if you have a problem with information overload and this uh, unmanaged task list is to read this book, Getting Things Done. So it's a, a business productivity book that has been shown to be like a great system for handling the massive amount of information that we have. So this kind of system helps you clear your whiteboard and prevent the unclosed loops that you might have. But for me, if you've heard me talk about before, mindfulness and meditation is king. We spend most of our waking days not living in the actual moment, but instead stuck inside our heads in a time warp. We're in a future that hasn't come yet and a past that can no longer change. We mostly have very few real painful moments, but we relive them through suffering, which makes our pain more intense and more sustained. How many of you remember the most embarrassing stuff that happened to you as a kid? That happened once for a moment, right? And then over and over and over again, we replay it and intensify it and think about it and spend energy on it, right? And we're doing that all day long. 
We spend so much energy, waste so much time, and nothing's any different. We literally could have done none of that and be in the same exact place. So imagine that for a second. All of that worry, all of that headache, all of that stress that you've been reliving inside of your head, if you had just not done that, you would literally be at the same place. There would be no, no different, except you might have a little bit more time left and a little bit more energy. And that's exactly what I'm suggesting you doing, uh, you sh should do. So meditation and mindfulness needs to be redefined because a lot of people feel like meditation or mindfulness is you clearing your mind and that's not what it is. These are practices, mindfulness being a practice of bringing your attention to the current moment and how you're experiencing it. So what does the floor feel like on my feet? Like my, what does my toes feel like? What does the air feel like on my skin? What does the seat feel on, on my butt and my back? right? That's mindfulness. That's bringing back my attention from wherever I am back down to the real moment and being here and being present. And meditation is another practice of bringing your attention, not to your experience, but to a single point in your experience, meaning like the breath is what a lot of people will do. Um, we need to do this because we have an annoying roommate. Um, there are two people in your head. Imagine for a second that um, uh, you have two two sides of your head, you know, not left and right, and there's an apartment, right? And uh, one's in one room and one's in another. So I'm that guy. Let's just pretend that. I'm going to say hello. Hello, right? You heard me say the thing. Now I want you to yourself say hello. And if you did it correctly, you hear someone else say hello. There are two distinct actions. Somebody says hello, and somebody hears somebody saying hello. And that's an important distinguishment to make. There are two people in your head. There's a talker and there's a listener. You are not the talker, you're the listener. The talker is just a clump of cells in our head, and its role is to tell stories, right? The whole purpose of the talker is to make sense of our current experience and turn it into words. That's it. Just like there's a clump of cells in our brain that is making our diaphragm go up and down, right? We don't pay any attention to that. So why are we paying attention to this other clump of cells that's just making up words? And the reason is, is because um, they're words and, and we, we can assign value to them. And the talker can often be negative and, and that's an evolutionary response too. Because if you see something bad potentially happening, you want to make sure that your alerts start to go off. You see some grass rustling. Is that a lion? Right? So the talker's kind of saying, hey, man, that's probably a lion. You got to get moving. But now we don't have lions. So that talker is negative and beating us up a lot. Um, and then we respond to that negative stuff more strongly. That's why we respond when we, when we think negative, because there might be some real danger there. So meditation is essentially helping us put some space between the two people. Um, if meditation, what meditation does is you're focusing on your breath, but what's going to happen? Well, that clump of cells, that guy in your head or gal is going to start talking because that's what it does, especially when it's quiet. And you'll eventually get caught up. You're going to start listening to the guy and you're going to start paying attention to them. And all meditation is doing is bringing you back to the current moment right? Bringing you back to all of your attention to the breathing and not valuing that person. So you begin again, you're breathing, you get distracted and you begin again. And all meditation is doing is helping you practice the, the putting the space between the talker uh, that creates a lot of stress and anxiety in people and what's real, what's really going on.
And the most important thing to understand about this is that there is no win here. You don't get to defeat Thanos and you're a hero. Um, we're constantly fighting this fight. It's like eating an elephant, wrestling a bear, or pushing the ocean. The work is worth it though, because we are what we practice. If you practice being stuck in your head, stressed out or anxious and depressed over things that you can influence or change, if you practice being negative, if you practice not caring for yourself, you'll get great at it, right? You'll get great at it. And we all are pretty good at beating ourselves up and stressing and worrying. But if you practice being aware of how our brains work, if you practice returning your focus to what's real, the right now, if you practice not judging or valuing negative thoughts, you'll get great at that. So more on the subject, we did a podcast with my psychiatrist, um, Dr. Larry Dresdale, and uh, we have a blog on the subject too, so check that out. Um, but essentially, like that's how we, we put into place things to help us uh, manage stressors. And then we have to stop everything else from, from causing us stress. And again, this is where it's all connected. We've talked about the wellness pyramid. We've done conversations around this. We have to eat better. And you know, I've got blogs and webinars and everything on that. We have to exercise. We have to sleep better. We have to get rid of the devices. And then we have to use the, you know, the vital five supplements. And some of those supplements will help support your stress management. Omega-3s uh, have an impact on brain health and mood health. Uh, probiotics is your uh, key to your immune system and your gut and your brain are uh, tightly connected. Protein, getting enough macronutrients, again, from a, a vitamin standpoint. And as we talked about, whole food B vitamins. These are all important things to help us manage stress. And if we do choose to use any one of those things, but be it an adaptogen or CBD to help us with stress, we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can first. We can use these things as a crutch in the interim while we're putting the plan into place, but we want to make sure we're doing the lifestyle stuff. Don't look to supplements before you haven't, you've done the lifestyle stuff. Again, climb the pyramid. Choose one thing, not a bunch. When somebody tries to sell you five supplements, that's a red flag. Don't do that. Get the right dose, the right form of the supplement and understand what your expectation should be. What effect should these have? How long until this effect happens? And when should I stop if I should at all? Um, start low, go slow, but go and don't add on to things that are ineffective, but replace them. We had this go on with the mental health world. People would start on an anxiolytic drug or a serotonin reuptake inhibitor like Zoloft or something like that, and they wouldn't get any results from it, right? So they'd increase the dose, nothing would happen. And then they would keep the drug and add on another one that didn't work too. So like, if it's not working, stop it. And that's an important lesson for supplements. Know why you're taking it, take the right dose, the right form and go. So it's time to review, and we're going to review a little bit differently here. We're going to review in question format because I, I was being a little sarcastic and snarky when I wrote this. So is it possible my stress wears out my adrenal glands? Kind of, probably, maybe. It can maybe have something like that. Adrenal fatigue is, is not a real diagnosis. Uh, no, uh, but yes. Chronic stress is very real. Adrenal fatigue technically isn't, and it doesn't make much medical sense. Um, so can I take something though, like an adaptogen that will help modulate my stress? You may feel better, but it isn't modulating anything. Uh, we don't really know how it works and the current you know, solutions aren't really uh, scientifically based, uh, right? So, and, so what's the best supplement to manage my stress? Well, this is a trick question. You don't use supplements to manage your stress. Your stress. There isn't one answer to managing stress, just like there isn't one answer to, um, oh my God, I said the same thing twice. <laughs> Sorry about that. So uh, basically, you, there isn't one answer here. 
So stress management requires comprehensive lifestyle modifications and planning, but the benefit is worth it tenfold and more. So who has the best answer for managing my stress? And that is you, my friends. If you have any stress-related questions, below, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I see we do have some questions over here. Actually, no, we don't, just one question. But if you have any questions, now's the time. Uh, I'll take this minute to thank you very much for attending the webinar. I'm gonna switch from the um, uh, slide deck back to my face. I'm gonna sit up a little bit and we're gonna talk stress questions. So Ginny, Casey's asking a question, does stress show up in our fingernails? So technically, yes. Yeah. So poor nutrition is a stressor and poor nutrition um, will impact your rapidly dividing cells first and foremost and your hair, skin and nails being, you know, your most rapidly dividing cells. So I believe that, yeah, if you have poor nutrition, which is a stress, um, that will impact your hair, skin, and nail health. Do the peptides relate? Which peptides? The collagen peptides? So collagen peptides do relate because they are a protein source, and many of us don't eat enough protein. And amino acids can help uh, with our stress response if we eat enough of them. And um, the real benefit of collagen seems to be in its effect on the gut lining and such, along with the protein benefits. So again, the gut-brain connection. So all of those things can play a role. Mary Lee is asking, where to start with someone who takes paroxetine, clonazepam, and methyl something, can't remember? Well, we start in the same place. So um, the strategy to managing stress really is, is like taking a, a good inventory of what's going on. What are the different stressors that are in your life right now? And what are the things that are going on? So, uh, you know, using anxiolytic medication, like it says that you're, you're, you're using, um, it just means that you needed that help, that, that crutch. But we want to start putting into place practices to help manage your stress without using any substance, supplement or not. So um, we would look at, um, you know, a meditation mindfulness practice. Do you use, do you see a, a psychiatrist? Um, you know, is that effective for you? Um, you know, so like, I guess, Marilee, like, tell me what kind of stressors you have. Maybe we can address each one individually. Jenny Singer, nutrition is actually good. I use the five supplements you recommend, some only when I can't eat well, but I have really bad ridges that result in breaking, huh? Yeah, I think we need to kind of have a conversation about that and see what's going on there. Um, how long um, has this been going on? Yada, yada, yada. So you're right, George. Today's word was balance. Terry, I'll answer your question about um, inflammation real quick. We did a webinar on inflammation, and I came up with a new word called misinflammation. So check that out. Uh, it's a really great webinar. I think turmeric is great for short-term pain and uh, that kind of a thing, but I believe that the natural product industry's next whoopsie moment is going to be around the non-judicious use of turmeric. I believe that if I told you to take Advil every day, you'd look at me like I'm crazy, especially because it's been tied to heart disease, and turmeric essentially is just a less potent Advil. So my recommendation to everybody from that webinar and, and practice is to um, incorporate turmeric into your diet. It's a spice and it's healthy and it has anti-inflammatory properties. So 
two to three meals a week, incorporate turmeric into your life. Marilee, so he's got anxiety and sadness. So yeah, I think that we wouldn't want you to stop anything. In fact, we would want to, um, you know, just kind of like reinforce where you are and try to help you manage this stuff. I would say that, you know, somebody who's suffering from anxiety, again, is is worried about something that they can't, that isn't here, right? It's it's solely a construct of, of your mind. It's not here. It's something that's in the future that's coming, uh, potentially could be coming, but it also could not be coming. So a, a meditation or mindfulness practice, I'm talking 15 minutes a few times a day, is the first thing that you can do. After six to eight weeks, meditation and mindfulness will rewire your brain. And that's not a joke. The neuroscience behind meditation and mindfulness is 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 on its way to becoming extremely well understood, and it seems that it is remarkably beneficial. So, the first place I would send you, Marilee, is to a meditation-based cognitive therapist, and um, uh, potentially even a consult with me, just to talk about your individual needs. Uh, but that's where I would want you to go. All right. What about the Buddhist practice? at the Zen Mountain Monastery. So yeah, meditation and mindfulness is built on the Buddhist practice. One of the things that I like so much about mindfulness-based cognitive therapy is that while the lessons uh, and the the teachings um, are those like old-fashioned Zen teachings and like, you know, the myths and, and you know, those like stories, uh, there isn't that religious connection to it. And it's a little bit more accessible, you know, people like me, I'm kind of not the most religious guy. So, you know, it's, it's much easier to get into because there is the religious side of it, but then there's the you know, the daily practices and, and, and everything. And even when you look at the, like the tenets of the religion, um, they are very, uh, psychologically oriented, I guess. Um, and Marilee, I would even say like, you look at the Greeks, you know, uh, Marcus Aurelius is written, uh, with, wrote on it, of course. And, um, you know, some of the best, uh, and like profound statements on meditation were made by him. So check that out. Uh, Ginny, you do need a consult. So if you go to woodstockvitamins.com slash consult, you can schedule an appointment. It's got my calendar on it. Um, Terry, I'll find the video on misinflammation. Am I moving towards not supplementing and eating the foods that provide what my body needs? Nutrition. I want to stop wasting money on all this. Terry, yes, that's what we want. We want you to join our club of people that are using only the supplements that they need when they need them. So while I'll argue that um, no supplements are better than what most people use, I will still say that supplements do serve a great role and we just need to be more um, conscious of the machine that's creating that peer pressure or that compulsion to look towards supplements as the answer. Um, relationship between stress and our own Asperger's? I don't know. I think that you know, that's kind of like that autism spectrum disorder stuff. And the work that I've done with people on that spectrum, it, it seems that anxiety is a component to that. And the ability to regulate anxiety is a huge, huge thing. So the only thing that I would say is that 
they're probably comorbidities, meaning that they come together, come in a pair. So if you manage stress, you manage anxiety, and that component of the Asperger's behavioral stuff goes away. Marilee's got a good question. She says that her doctors are telling that she needs B12. Is there a difference with B food? And, and I would say yes. So there's two kind of things at play. We only supplement what we need to supplement. So taking vitamins just in general, just for good health, is a bad, that's a bad play. So you have a deficiency potentially, and your doctor's saying that you need B12 to make up for that deficiency. So you might be a planosaurus, right? So you're a vegan or a vegetarian, so you're def or not eating a lot of meat, so you're deficient in B12. Or something else could be going on. So you need to supplement that B12. Whole food supplements aren't going to test for the specific amounts of B12. They're just going to have naturally occurring amounts of B12, which is much smaller than the amount that you would need to, to supplement. So it's best for you to just take the B12 and potentially the B food too, if you were to use both of them. Terry's saying that I think we need we tend to jump on the bandwagon with this formula and that formula, and our bodies get confused with all the signaling. I, I guess like at I'd an article that was talked about the three different types of dietary supplements. If you put supplements into three bins, you and let's pretend that they're steaks, okay? We want a steak, except you're buying a box and you, you can't tell if it's a steak or not. So inside box one is a moldy cheeseburger, something that's potentially dangerous, something that could potentially harm you, okay? Uh, the middle one is a McDonald's cheeseburger, and then the, the last one is the steak. So my argument is, is that most of us are taking supplements that are those McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're just whatever. They're fine occasionally. If you take a lot of it or if you take it for too long, it can be kind of not the greatest for you. Um, some supplements are dangerous. They're moldy cheeseburgers. You have to look out for those. So I would rather you just take a couple steaks than eat a bunch of uh, McDonald's cheeseburgers. Our bodies probably aren't getting like confused, but there is a potential for drug interactions. You get five or more pharmacologically active things in the same pool. They're going to start interacting with each other. So that's a uh, concern, but really most of the time our body's just peeing them away if they're getting absorbed at all. Because remember, there's no requirement for these things to actually um, be proven to be absorbed. Uh, yeah, so your doctor says to just get a bottle of Centrum Silver. So we did a webinar called uh, Throw Away Your Multivitamin. My argument is, is that you're better eating foods than you are taking a, a multivitamin. There's no evidence to prove that they're beneficial for what we think they are, which is filling in the gaps of our diets. I would much rather you have a thing of blueberries or a salad every day. That's going to provide you much more nutrition than a Centrum Silver will. So the doctor's just kind of saying, you know, Unfortunately, we've lost the lead in the natural product industry. The traditional doctors, um, because of the structure and because of like their inability to kind of see what was going on with the industry, we've poo-pooed the natural products industry, and we could be leading it. Um, you know, uh, and and so like this is the doctor trying to kind of signal that he's okay with some supplements, I guess. But Centrum Silver is definitely not a good advice. That is a McDonald's cheeseburger. This is not going to really do much for you if you take it for a long time. It's going to kind of not be great for you. I think it's time to go to bed. I'm going to bed. i got to write a blog article tomorrow morning. I'll be getting up at 5 o'clock to write up an article. It's going to probably be about something that we talked about here. All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts.